Welcome to Ink and Pete, where memoir and Ireland share the stage. We talk with authors, guides, ghostwriters, and other free spirits drawn to memoir or enchanted by Ireland. I'm Barb Robitaille. And I'm Craig Stewart. go for it and live in the moment and enjoy it and embrace all the the opportunities that we have, I suppose. Rachel Nolan knew as a young girl that being outside is where she feels most free. This has translated for her into a lifetime of adventure, cycling, kayaking, climbing, running, and team endurance challenges around the world. She created Rachel's Irish Adventures in her hometown of Ballinaw, County Mayo, to share her love of being outside in the wild west of Ireland. Rachel talks with us in Ink and Pete episode 25 about becoming the first woman to win the Transatlantic Way cycling race, maintaining a positive attitude, and what distinguishes Irish whiskey from all the rest. Rachel lives just across the bay, Kalala Bay, and the River Moy from the old deanery cottages. The last couple of times we've been to Ireland, been so lucky. She's been on around the world, uh, either in Fiji or climbing some mountain or biking South America. I don't really know, but we haven't connected until now. And I'm so glad we did. And I think we're going to have to sort of watch her travel itinerary and plan our tours around when she's there. I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we've missed her. Well, I know that, you know, we've stayed for months to stretch, but she's been gone because she travels all over the world. So Yeah, it sounds like she spends half the year traveling and half the year yeah. just have to coordinate. Speaking of traveling, I love what she says about when you come to Ireland. I really like that part too, where she talks about her feelings about how important it is to not do the whistle stop type of itinerary and experience. It's not how many boxes you tick off, but instead considering like going, if you only have a week or 10 days, going to one place and then maybe, you know, taking day trips out like we do with memoir tours, but to sink into a, a place and really get a sense of it and the rhythm of it and get to know the people there a little bit. That's the way to see and experience Ireland. And hopefully you can go back and go to different places so you can, you know, add to your list a bit, but it's not about the ticking off of the boxes. Absolutely not. Although there is one box I want to tick off with Rachel, and that's <laughs> tasting whiskey. I'm in. Uh, yeah. Really? I am, yeah. What? Well, I'm afraid she's going to ask me to go cycling or running. <laughs> 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 and we both know that doesn't go well. So I think, you know, hey, Rachel, let's go have whiskey. That's going to be a much better option for me. Okay, so it'll be at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah. Well, that sounds that sounds grand, yeah. It sounds like the end of, <laughs> perfect end to a day, Perfect right? end of the day, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad that we connected. Yeah, so do yourself a favor. Go to Rachel's Irish Adventures. Read a few of her blogs. You'll be inspired. You will. And until then, let's put the kettle on and have a listen to Rachel Nolan. Rachel Nolan, welcome to Ink and Pete. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me on. You're the first woman to win the Transatlantic Way Ultra Endurance Cycling Race. 
how does that feel? And can you tell us a little bit about the race? I, I think people over here, our listeners, don't fully understand what the, the Wild Atlantic Way is, let alone riding it on a, a bicycle. Yeah, so the Wild Atlantic Way is um, the a coastal route from Kinsale in County Cork up to uh, up to Derry. Um, so it's 2,500 kilometres if you take in all the little tiny peninsulas, which are deceivingly long and take a lot longer than you would think <laughs> when you're looking at the map. And it's the, it's the longest marked coastal route in the world. Um, and Tourism Ireland have done a great job of uh, advertising. It's always been there. People are like, oh, they've just created this. But it's, it's always been there. But they have put up signs pointing uh, north and south. And um, yeah, like last year, given the, given the situation, um, I had planned to, to do a race in, in Africa, Expedition Africa, with actually a team from the U.S., in April and it was cancelled and kind of everything ended up being cancelled and um, I kind of saw a bit of light that there might be some cycling events going on seeing as it's um, you know self-supported and you're out there on your own um, and it's usually on in June but they, they put it on at the beginning of September um, so it's basically uh, it goes this particular route goes from north to south so you start uh, in Derry um, at Peace Bridge and it finishes in Kinsale and the goal is you you are fully self-supported and you everyone starts together and you go as fast as you can following a particular route that you download. The route that they had was 2,200 kilometers. Kind of 90% of it was the Wild Atlantic Way, but about 10% of it, he had a few sneaky extra hills that are not on the Wild Atlantic <laughs> Way that were added in for, for a bit of adventure that were probably more set for a gravel bike, to be honest, than, than the road bike. But um, yeah, so you're carrying all your kit. You stop when you want. You don't stop when you want. The clock doesn't stop. And yeah, I decided on the 1st of June that I would that I would do that. And I did three months of pretty tough training. It was the first time I ever got a coach, female-specific coach, which was a really interesting experience. Um, she's actually a Canadian adventure racer. Yeah, set off and I did did a lot of training. I, I'm, I'm actually living along the Wild Atlantic Way. It's where I, where I grew up in Balnain, County Mayo. So for, for training grounds, you know, I'm on the route. Couldn't really have much better. Due to the situation, it was only Irish people that were taking part in the in the event because no one else could travel so it was myself and, and 12 other uh, guys a lot of them had done it before so uh, we rocked up anyway in, in Derry and I didn't realize it was a race I thought it was an event and everyone kept talking about the race so I'm arriving up with all these lads you know so so yeah so we started off and uh, sure as always you know a couple of guys blasting off the start the ego and the adrenaline and everything else and by the time we hit the halfway I kind of I'm sure I was playing with their their heads anyway you know along the way should they'd all each other checked out except for me of course because I was the, the girl on the on the route and um, so they were checking out each other's Stravas and everything and yeah like I I just kind of took it at my own pace and kept kind of kept going so I, I finished it in five full days 2100 kilometers 2200 kilometers yeah in five days in five so, days uh, so I was um, over 20 hours a day on the bike. So the other four hours could have been stopped at traffic lights in a shop, going to the toilet, <laughs> in the ditch, more than likely. Um, <laughs> I think I peed, in, I peed in some of the most spectacular places in Ireland, <laughs> uh, which were not indoors. Um, so, so yeah, look, it was an amazing, it was an amazing experience of you know body and mind endurance. The weather was Irish. It was horrific. It was worse than any winter's day. It was. A lot of rain, gale force winds, and going from north to south, you have the prevailing wind, so it was a constant headwind. Um, I actually did the route in 2016 in another event uh, in the opposite direction. 
<laughs> in seven days. So uh, a bit slower, but obviously not too slow either. So I, I do know the I know the route very well at this point, quite intimately. <laughs> well, it's um, tough enough in a car, let alone uh, yeah, cycling yeah. it in, in in horrific weather. And it's hard to explain to someone who's never been, but what the weather on in the west of Ireland can be like in any given day. Yeah, well, it's the four seasons, I suppose. So, you know, you could have, you could be very lucky and have, you know, you arrive there and you have two weeks of pure sunshine, absolutely no rain. Like last April, for example, I'm not sure if this April will be the same. There wasn't one drop of rain. It was the warmest April they had ever recorded mm. on the recording. So like, you know, you literally find your warm spot in the in the garden where you can strip off and in the bikini <laughs> and bronze up. You see all the Irish people going around like lobsters uh, for a couple of days. Um, and you're like, geez, they've definitely been in the garden. Because at that, you know, there was the restrictions last April. So people were, um, were were finding their little sun spots in the garden. And you, so you could have that. And then you could have, you know, usually it doesn't rain for that long. You know, but it's very often in a day you'd have sun, rain, wind, sun, rain, wind. So, but that's that's the charm about Ireland, and that's what shapes the landscape and gives us Irish the character and the endurance, and makes the hot whiskey even better in the evening and the open <laughs> fire. And that could be in the middle of June or the middle of December. It's always a surprise. <laughs> uh, so you were riding at night. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do a lot of night and night uh, night bike, and I love it actually. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of the roads would not classify over here as official roads or highways. They're kind of one lane, a lot of them, would you say? Yeah, yeah, I suppose uh, the roads over here, they are improving uh, in certain areas. But what I find myself with a lot of, well, people from all over, but Americans coming over, you know, they look at the map and they're like, gosh, that's only, you know, 100 kilometers. Yeah, but... It's a different type of 100 kilometers. <laughs> First of all, you could uh, get stuck behind a lot of traffic, which means 200 sheep. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, there's a pothole or someone's broken down in front of you. Or, you know, you're going in and out through a peninsula uh, and you just, you know, you just can't go that fast. And I think it's one of the one of the key things I say to people when they're coming over to Ireland and traveling here is just to slow down. Yeah, good um, for you. You know, less less is more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's definitely not a, a place to come and tick boxes and race around. Even if people are, you know, doing the Wild Atlantic Way, I would suggest more doing a doing a section uh, and really embracing it and, you know, immersing in the local community and everything. But, yeah, the roads, the roads are uh, very varied, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have a business called Rachel's Adventure. Adventures? Yeah. Rachel's, Rachel's Irish Adventures, yeah. Rachel's. Me and Rachel. Is what it says in the tin. <laughs> <laughs> so your life has been one filled with adventure, and you've ridden your bike around the world, literally, truly. How did you come to fall in love with the bike? What was is just sort of a, a natural yeah. extension of yourself? Yeah, I suppose I just love the outdoors, and I did as a, as a child. Um, even growing up, you couldn't keep me inside. I have no brothers or sisters. My family aren't sporty at all. So I don't know where I came out of altogether. Um, I would be happy out in the middle of winter in my shorts and t-shirt in the lashing rain, kicking a football off the side of the wall for hours or climbing a tree. So yeah, and the bike was just always a way of freedom. You know, I always had a bike and that was kind of always my, my mode of transport. Yeah, I think just from the very start, I never liked staying inside. Even in, in school, I used to, the teacher used to go mad. I used to lean against the radiator. So she used to tell me I was going to get arthritis <laughs> in my in my left arm. And my favorite subject was looking out the window. So um, 
So I think I just wasn't meant to be, you know, trapped inside. I always felt like a bit of a cage. I tried once ever to work in an office. It lasted two months and they let me out. Uh, they gave me a car and sent me out. They said, you're not able for this. I just couldn't handle the... Do you know what I was doing a few stretches and <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't able for sitting down in set hours, you know? So, yeah, I think I've always really liked the, the feeling of freedom and I suppose not been feeling that I'm trapped in in any way or sticking to any particular rules. <laughs> mm. So along those lines, when you're biking an endurance race, there is the physical component, which of course you have a lot of control over by your training and knowing your body, but there's also, I would imagine, a mental component and things go wrong. How do you adjust or how do you maintain a positive attitude or do you maintain a positive attitude or what, how do you make it through? Um, well, I think from, from an events point of view, like, you know, you will always have highs and lows. That's just the nature of it. And it's like in life nearly, you know, if you have a low, it'll, it'll always come up again. So I think it's just to realize that these things just pass along and just embrace it. You know, whether it's a, you have hot foot or a pain in your hand or your leg is sore or whatever it is. Um, and I think to like tune into the body and, and listen to what it needs um, you know, fueling is obviously really important, been fully hydrated and eaten enough and, you know, knowing your own limits as well. And you're doing it because you want to do it. You know, you're known as no forcing, forcing you to do there. Yeah. So, so it's also realizing that, wow, feeling just so fortunate and grateful for, for being able to do that physically and mentally um, and having that opportunity that we were brought up in where we were, that we can do that because not everyone can. So, you know, I think when there's lows, it's not really a low, <laughs> you know? Yeah, kind of uh, self-imposed or... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Character building. <laughs> well, I would say you've got tons of character. You've, uh, I would encourage people to go to your blog and read of where you've been. And my goodness, I was shaking my head reading about your Fiji experience. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, I've had a few a few fun experiences. Yeah, I suppose my, my, my real passion is adventure racing. Mm. So kind of long distance uh, multi-sport events in teams of four where you have to have one male and one female, everyone sticks together. So it's kind of mountain biking, mountain running slash hiking, you know, canoeing, climbing uh, with full navigation. Um, so that's kind of my, my, my favorite thing. I suppose I like doing things in teams. It's, you know, it's fun being out there on your own and it's, it's a personal challenge. But when you can share it with people, it's... It's twice as good, isn't it? Oh, nice. <laughs> so when's the next one? COVID's kind of standing uh, in the geez, way. Who who knows? Yeah, that's the thing, you know. Um, in last April, I was supposed to, I was saying I was supposed to be doing a, a race over in uh, in Lesotho in um, South of Africa, and uh, that got cancelled and then postponed to this year. Now it's next year. And I think this year is going to be a year of just personal challenges and just, you know, embracing the moment. And, you know, sometimes you don't really need to set a plan. You can just kind of go with it and, and embrace the opportunities. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And uh, reading again, reading on your blog, you've embraced a lot of opportunities this past year. It seems like you're always looking for the silver lining, it yeah. seems. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel, feel really lucky. I'm, you know, definitely enjoying life and I don't really feel like I'm setting any limits, you know. So yeah. uh, just go for it and live in the moment and enjoy it and embrace all the the opportunities that we have i suppose yeah good for you that's great <laughs> one of the opportunities you embraced was working for jameson's whiskey tell tell a bit about how you managed to get from shop to shop 
Yeah, well, I suppose I had, a, I had a lot of different roles with Jemison. I started off on the graduate program where you have to kind of do a, do a number of different interviews and they're, they're quite selective at getting in. And I got in and I, I told them that I'd go to any country, send me wherever. So usually they send you out of Ireland. But of course, they decided that I was a bit of a talker and that I'd be perfect <laughs> on, the, on the sales team in Ireland. So they stuck me in the middle of, there was one other woman there and 36 men, uh, all well past the middle age you know, men going in to off licenses and shops and everything and stuck me in the middle of it all. So that lasted a couple of years and they moved me all around. I had different kind of missions. Say I was given a brand new Jeep and that didn't work out too well because I kept getting uh, fines for being clamped in Loden Bay. So <laughs> I, uh, I bought a bike and uh, I had a secondhand bike there. Yeah, sure, I used to, I was based in, in Dublin, in the city for, for a year as well and, and just cycled from place to place. And I've always used the bike as, as transport. It's a lot faster than particularly if you're in a city to travel around and it's no stress and you can move at your own pace and, you know, see more things. And it's, uh, and I think I was definitely, as I said, the, the, the cheapest employee they've ever had uh, and, and probably the happiest as well. <laughs> uh, I, got the work done, I got the work done a lot faster yeah. and uh, people were intrigued by seeing me coming on the, on the bike, you know. So, yeah, like I, I think, you know, sometimes the companies in that set different protocols, but they're not, you know, they were really happy to see me been happy with work you know I think it's it's always flexible as well you can set your own standards in life as well can you give us an idea of what your bike looked like I've seen pictures of it and uh how you had the box yeah. on the front oh yeah that was in France actually yeah oh, so yeah. um so I moved to France then so Jemison is owned by Pernaric our French company we were based out in Marseille and uh, I started off there doing trade marketing and ended up having different roles I lived in in um Four different cities yeah so I, I ended up getting into single speed biking so the fixies the fixies where, yeah you know you have no you know brake and you have to pedal backwards to to stop it and at the time i my target market that i was trying to i suppose embrace to drink jemison and help to uh, encourage them that this was the thing to do it was kind of this hipster community that were mad into oh the fixies you know, yeah. tattoos and fixies and all this which wasn't really my thing I'm not really into fashion or anything like that either, but I, I managed to blend in all right by getting a, a fixie made and painting it the, the Jemison kind of bottle color green, put um, put a crate, a Jemison crate on top. So I used that then as my mode of transport to, to go from bar to bar. So that worked out really well and everyone knew me pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. You made a big splash in the hipster world. I'm yeah, I probably. certainly did. I ended yeah. up in very hipster. I even, I jumped back. <laughs> there was a club there at the time that used to do different events uh you know they have to reach different points and uh there was me and there was definitely over 80 guys no other women and uh yeah i won a few of those races so that set me in the scene then so <laughs> it was good nice that's very good so jump forward to uh, rachel's irish adventures you live in one of the most beautiful countries places in the world and there are there's no limit to the adventures you can have where you live what would you recommend or what would you suggest to someone coming to Ireland for the first time? Where would you where would you direct them? Yeah, so I grew up in, as I said, Balna, County Mayo, the Wild Atlantic Way. In, um, it's a really beautiful spot. I grew up in a bed and breakfast. My mum owns a bed and breakfast in Cookery School. And she actually grew up next door. And that was a bed and breakfast. So her mum had a bed and breakfast in the house just beside us. So, you know, it's kind of, and my dad is originally from County Cork in the south. 
so that's kind of my my family and my cousins live two doors over so they're all around yeah. all the families around my mum's family are there for g- generations as they go back in the family tree for five six generations anyway personally i i really love all of ireland i do think the west coast is more spectacular because i think it's just more rugged and my personal preferences i really do like the area north of galway so from galway right up to the north of donegal i just feel like it's you know 90 percent of the people who come to ireland do not go north of galway personally when i'm bringing people out with tours with rachel's irish adventures i want to go to places where guests can really immerse in the local culture and not follow the tour bus around and really experience what ireland has to offer not to say that you know county Kerry and clare isn't beautiful but everyone knows the cliffs of moher you know, have they been up Crohan, which is Ireland's highest uh, sea cliff? They probably don't even know where it is, you know, because it hasn't been marketed. Um, and that's, I suppose, you know, the, the the part of Ireland which I really like to to show people, um, you know, to bring them into the house, to go baking with my mum in the kitchen or, you know, I teach them about Irish whiskey. And so my preference for people coming to Ireland is definitely, you know, if you have a week, just slow down and don't stay just a night in a place. Make sure you get out to an island and stay there at least a night. Um, you know, it's good for sustainable tourism. It's amazing to meet the people. They'll be so welcoming. They really appreciate you going out there. And it's just, you know, you really get to feel that. And I think that's one of the things about Ireland that is very unique is that the people, we love to talk with people. We're, we're talkers. If you go into the pub, people will want to know who you are. Um, but if you're racing around the place, you're just not going to experience that. And you might have ticked all the boxes, but you haven't really experienced the culture. And it's a country where... I think you really need to to slow down and and just enjoy it. Forget about ticking boxes and and just enjoy the moment. So that would be my my suggestion. Music to my ears. That's one one of the foundations of memoir tours. Is uh, we land in Killala and then just stay stay put, head out to yeah. Down Patrick Head or you know yeah, really nice. It's just me. so beautiful. Like Killala, like just using North Mayo there as an example, like. You know, and to base out of Kalala, it's just, it's it's definitely off the beaten path, yet it's so in the middle of everywhere that you can access everything so, so easily. Yeah. But, you know, you're not going to find it unless you really want to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So that's that's the thing, you know, there's just spectacular hikes out there, out by Karataig, which is probably, in my opinion, the most stunning coastal route in, in Ireland, um, which a lot of people don't know. As you said, you've down Patrick Head, you can head up into Sligo up to Knocknaray and learn about Queen Maeve, the, the legend of Connacht. And, yeah. you know, there's so much to do. There is, um, yeah. When you tell me that you had a hard time sitting in a classroom or in an office and that you want to be going and going and going, COVID has put a bit of a damper on things, I would guess. It seems you've created a gratitude journal. How did you approach that? Yeah, I suppose like I, I travel for winters. So my, my goal, Rachel's Irish Adventures, is all around lifestyle and sharing passion. So I do travel for, for half of the year. In November, not just gone, the previous November, I was out in India for, for eight weeks and I did a yoga teacher training course. Um, yoga is something that I always do anyway, but it kind of helped me get to the next level with it, I suppose. I did a teacher training course more for myself, which I do. I'm a bit of a, an addict with doing courses. Um, <laughs> again, it's it's just self-development more than actually wanting to, to progress in it. So I, I do start every morning with a minimum of 30, 30 minutes yoga before breakfast. Um, I'm a morning person. I love getting up early. You know, I, kn- I know everyone is different and some people are better in the night, but I'm definitely more of a, a morning bird. So I would usually start in the morning with uh, yoga, which I think helps me with the balance side. And then I have daily goals, weekly goals, very small goals. 
um, since the COVID, like they've been just really small. I, I usually try and split things up into like kind of a personal, let's say career kind of self-development and then kind of family friends. So I've always kind of done it that way to try and keep balance because I'm a natural character who goes to quite extremes very naturally. So I have to check in with myself to keep the balance uh, in every way. I can get like that with uh, with work or with sport or with anything. I'm kind of, I'm an all or nothing kind of woman. <laughs> so, uh, so I try and keep things in balance. And I've just found that the gratitude journal, for me, it just, it just kind of helps to, to check in. And, you know, in the evenings, I, I always kind of write down, you know, a couple of little things that, that I felt meant something to me during the day. I think one of the big things for me, especially with COVID, is that not to set any goals that are overwhelming. You know, it can be it can be small things. You know, to just keep a keep a focus and listen to yourself and what you need as well. I really enjoyed reading about what you were grateful for month by month. Somehow, it, it was really inspiring, or it felt really good just to see what what you were thinking. You know, and and it was very encouraging. I would say. Thank you. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things is, uh, and one of the things with COVID, which I think is has been a bit of a learning experience for me, is just letting go and realizing that you don't need to always be proactive, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you don't always need to achieve something, or, you know, you can just be and be happy, and you know, you don't have to set these uh, amazing goals and be super productive. And if you have a day where you just the day is the day then that's fine too. <laughs> and yeah. I think that, yeah, it's definitely a time to, to learn that as well. That's great to uh, log away. Let's talk about whiskey. So you know a lot about whiskey. Yeah, I suppose my, my passion, I have many passions, but my passion is kind of the outdoors, travel and whiskey, um, which, you know, they don't really come in line too much, but they do. Because, uh, and, and I also, I am a bit of a wine fan as well, but I suppose one of the reasons I can say that whiskey is also a passion is because people who, who are into whiskey are actually very passionate people, considering that for an Irish whiskey, you have to wait for a minimum of three years and a day for it to be an Irish whiskey, to be to be in the barrel for a minimum of three years and a day. That's the, the rule, and it has to be distilled in the island of Ireland as well. You know, to, to wait for the whiskey, you have to have patience. So it takes a lot of passion. It's a bit like wine, you know, picking the right grapes, waiting for the right harvest. Yeah, like I, I really... I suppose working with Jemison, it was like they, they injected uh, a passion for whiskey literally into the blood that's there for life. And I have worked for other whiskeys since, and I'm, I'm a fan of whiskey in general. I, I just I enjoy learning about it. But I have a, a very loyal passion to Jemison and all the brands that they have, whether that be Yellow Spot, Red Breast, um, and all, all the brands they have down there in Middleton. They were an amazing company to work for, and they, and they really looked after me very well. And I trained with them for six years nonstop, so I... I kind of, um, they invested a lot in me and it obviously worked because I'm still talking about them. I still do some, <laughs> some, even though I'm not working for them full time, I still do some contract work for them and I, I sell their product every day unknowingly to them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think uh, Irish whiskey is uh, is incredible and the, the industry at the moment, the way it has changed and is evolving is just super interesting. There's Connacht whiskey and Nathan Distillery yeah, 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 in Mayo, yeah. There's quite a lot. Like if you look at, you know, 2015, there were there were four main distilleries. Now, I think at the end of this year, there's going to be 38 working distilleries in Ireland. So, so yeah. So it's it's, you know, it's definitely a, an evolving uh, industry. And then the, the the thing is, like, whether they can manage to get into the export market and actually uh, achieve enough sales, because obviously Ireland is not big enough for. 
for sales to yeah. uh, to survive. Um, so that's going to be the game really for the next couple of years. Who can get into the export market? But yeah, look, people who are in the whiskey industry are so passionate. And, you know, if you're bringing tours over as well, like to taste Irish whiskies, and if you can visit a distillery, it's just an incredible experience. Yeah, no, I'm. that's on the list. On do you have list. a favorite Irish whiskey? Well, actually, I have. I do. I really like the Green Spot. Oh, nice. Yes, yeah. I like the Green Spot as well. Yeah. So do you know the story about the Green Spot? So you have Green Spot, Yellow Spot, Red Spot. Um, you had a lot of the, the Red Spot actually came back out again. Um, so it's a, it's a whiskey also made down in Middleton, but it's owned by the Mitchells family where they were based in the, in the center of Dublin. And they used to distill their own whiskey and then uh, send it down to Middleton for storage. And how they got the name is they used to throw a, a blob of paint onto the barrel to recognize it. So you have green spot, red spot, yellow spot, and so on. And that's how it got its name. Yeah, I'm also a fan of the green spot, but I do like uh, yellow spot. It's the, it's the only Irish whiskey that also uses Malaga casks. So it's a very sweet taste. It's a little more expensive than the green spot, but it's also a nice one. Check that out. Finding a bottle of green spot here or yellow spot is a, a bit of a trick. But yeah. Yeah. There you go. Another reason to come back to Ireland very soon. That's right. Can. Oh, believe me, we are champing at the bit. So, so how would you uh, differentiate between whiskeys? Can you take a sip and go, ah, this is Jameson. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be fairly good. It's, it's kind of an interesting one, though, actually, because um, it's a bit like wine. It's, uh, like, it's a bit like riding a bike, firstly. If you know whiskey, you know whiskey. If you can ride a bike, you can ride a bike. But if you're not uh, on a quite a regular basis, basis kind of sipping it or nosing it even, you do lose it a little bit. So sometimes it takes me a bit of time to go back. Like I do private whiskey tasting, part of the tours, and sometimes I do them all around the place. But even now I haven't done it for quite a while, and I will need to kind of get back into it again nearly to just kind of refresh yourself again. But yeah, like they're, they are quite distinctive, you know. Like I give you an example. Um, so, so you talk there about green spot and, and yellow spot, and you have, you know, one of my favorite whiskeys as well would be Red Breast 12-year-old. Oh. I actually really like Sherry. <laughs> and they use a high proportion of sherry casks. I used to love Jemison 12-year-old, which they no longer make, and they also use a high proportion of sherry casks. Um, so Jemison is primarily used on ex-bourbon casks and ex-sherry casks, but like, for example, the Yellow Spot, Green Spot, uh, Red Breast 12-year-old, Powers John's Lane, they're all uh, single pot still whiskies. so they're malted barley and unmalted barley distilled three times in copper pot stills, the largest being down in Middleton. County Cork. Whereas you have Jemison, which is a blended whiskey. It's a mixture of single pot still, so malted barley, no malted barley, but they also have corn in it. Um, so there's certain differences. So the grains can make a difference. But the key thing with Irish whiskey, which makes the difference is the is the pot stills, which makes it kind of a, a spicier note. And then the fact that they don't uh, use peat, which they would use a lot in Scotland. So basically in Scotland, they uh, to make the malted barley, they, they put peat underneath it to dry it out in the kilns. And that's what gives it its peaty nose and uh, and taste, which you will know a mile off. Yeah, that's true. You smell it or, or taste it. And you either like it or you don't, you know, and you can, I'm sure, adapt a taste to it. But um, So in general, Irish whiskies don't do that, but I do think it's going to change now that all the new distilleries are open, like they're all going to be looking at creating different types of whiskey and so on. And Irish whiskey is noted to be distilled three times. However, that's not necessarily true because some of the newer whiskies now are not distilled three times. But all the ones from that we just talked about there now are distilled three times, which is said to give a more refined spirit and a, and a smoother whiskey. But what really changes the whiskey a lot of it as well is, is the barrels, um, okay. which barrels you use uh, to, to mature the whiskey because that gives it its distinct color and taste. Great information. 
That's good. <laughs> there you go. We'd we'll have to actually meet in the pub. Uh, I know. Yeah. And, oh, no. and enjoy a whiskey and I can have a proper chat to you over it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I'm <laughs> looking forward to that day. Session. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, you've been just wonderful to speak with. What are you reading right now? What's a book you're reading right now that you could recommend? Yeah, I've actually, it's, it's interesting. I've been reading quite, like lockdown has been a year where I've probably read a lot more than I usually do because, to be honest, I don't usually read that much. I don't really sit still that much so I can actually <laughs> read. I'm, I'm kind of someone who will pick up and I'll read like an information thing about something. So instead of an actual book, and I'm not great at reading novels or anything like that either. So I kind of like to read something with information. So I've, I've been using the time really to actually read over, especially in the last month, to read over books that I've already read. One that I like is The the Business Casual Yogi, which is quite an interesting one. Um, so it's basically, uh, it talks about a guy who's a, a great businessman and he kind of brings in the yoga philosophy to to kind of adapt to clients and, and adapt to their different personality types rather than having a one-shoe-fits-all. So I found that kind of an interesting one. And then a few other books from training point of view. There's one called Roar from Stacey Sims, which is very female specific about fueling. And, you know, her whole tagline is uh, women are not small men. So it's great that we realize that. <laughs> what a revolution. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And another thing, I I, um, I speak fluent French and, and Spanish and I'm trying to learn German. So I do spend a lot of time reading the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> and grammar books yeah like I love traveling and you know speaking the language makes such a huge difference when you're traveling to to immerse in a culture and um, wherever you are so you know my French is fluent I would say my Spanish is is not fluent but very good and um, so I'm uh, I'm trying to to improve on my German at the moment how's your Irish my Irish is really really ridiculous really bad <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, it's an interesting one, Irish, because uh, so we have to learn it from from the age of five and it's drilled into us from five to 18. You have to learn it. And I speak, you know, six different languages better than I speak Irish, because I think it's so interesting, the schooling system, and it will hopefully change at some point. But you don't realize why you're learning it. So like I I give an example, I didn't I I did French in school and I just about passed it in my what we call the leaving cert when you're 18 before you go to university. And a year later, I moved to France for a year and I spoke fluent French. But I didn't see the point in it when I was in school. You know, I just learned off these things, whatever letter, whatever question was coming up. There was one thing going down and that was all I knew. (laughs) So um, so my Irish isn't bad. Where my cousins live, my mum's sister is up in Guidor in County Donegal. And they're in the Gaeltuck area, so their first language is Irish. So my cousins all learned English through Irish. So even in the house, they speak Irish. So like my understanding of Irish is good. So I'm not that bad, but you know, I wouldn't be going in holding a conversation in it either. But I would understand it. I started learning it on Duolingo, and I can make sense of some of it, but to speak it is really challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. I suppose I'm I would be okay now reading it because I know what the. You know, it, it doesn't, you don't read it like it reads almost, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but Duolingo is magic, isn't it? Oh, love it. It's yes. really, really good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Rachel, where is a place you found joy where you least expected it? Ah, that is a good question. I think I, like, been honest, I've just been really fortunate in that I think I, even growing up I was a very happy child and I've always been very honest to myself. And I think for me, joy, like the one word I've always said, even since I was very young, is just freedom. That being free in every way, whether that be financial freedom, freedom to love, freedom to whatever it is, 
I think that's joy for me, you know, freedom to travel, just not feeling trapped in any way. And, you know, growing up again on the West Coast of Ireland, you're as free as you can be. You know, it's wild. <laughs> and, you know, I feel free being at the coast. I feel free up the mountains. I feel free in a pub, you know, with friends, enjoying a whiskey. And that's, for me, what joy really is. So I don't know if that answers your question. That's probably a bit of a roundabout way of it. No, it's a lovely, a place. it's a perfect <laughs> answer to the question. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, thanks for talking today, Rachel. It's a pleasure. I so look forward to sipping a whiskey with you when the time comes. I look forward to it, too. And I want to meet your <laughs> mom and, have, and learn how to do some Irish cooking. Very good. That, that Take out life fun. insurance. She's a dangerous woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Ink and Pete, a production of Memoir Tours Ireland. To learn more about Memoir Tours, head to memoirtours.com. Until next time, may you find joy where you least expect it.